scripture reading this morning is Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The second scripture reading is Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. various Communion Sundays this year, I have preached on some of the meanings of the Lord's Supper. And maybe the most fundamental meaning of the Lord's Supper is giving thanks to God. And we're in the month of Thanksgiving, so let's claim how this table helps us give thanks to God. Now, Matthew tells us that when Jesus was sharing that Passover meal in the upper room with his disciples, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it. To take, to bless, to break, those are three technical terms for grace before a meal in the Jewish tradition. Jesus' action was typical of a Jewish ceremonial meal, which isn't surprising. They're sharing the Passover. The term for, for bless is, and, and I'm telling it to you because it'll mean something to you in a moment, eulogesos, eulogesos. Now, in Greek, you means good 
or gracious or beautiful. And logesos comes from the word logos, the word for word, the logos, word. So to bless means to give a good or gracious word. That is why this prayer before, that's why prayers before meal are called grace. That's where it comes from. Did mom ever ask you to say grace? That's why we sometimes call it grace. Our word eulogy comes from that word. Um, A eulogy is what's spoken about a person at a funeral, but literally it means to say a good word, a gracious word about that person, about their life. Uh, And we can bless and say a good word about people when they're still alive too, right? We should do that as well. Jesus says a word of blessing, a word of thanks when when he takes the bread. And the Hebrew word for bless, which would have been the language in which Jesus was speaking when he prayed, comes from the word meaning to gush or to flow. That's what the Hebrew word for bless means, to gush, to flow. And Jewish teaching is that when God created the world, he wanted to be the source that flows into and nourishes the whole world. When we bless God, we're asking to let his blessing and God's energy flow into our world, flow into our lives. God is so ready to give his blessing in our lives. He's the source of love. He's the source of life. He's the source of light. But we have to be open, ready to receive it. If I'm not open, not an open vessel for his flow, I I can't experience that. Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he told his disciples to share it together. And he said, this bread is my body. Now, we're told that when our Lord took the cup, he gave thanks. The Greek biblical word for giving thanks is eucharisto, which gives us the word eucharist, which is another name by which uh, certain Christian traditions call the Lord's Supper. Uh, Our Catholic and Episcopalian and Lutheran brothers and sisters will call this the Eucharist every Sunday when they gather. The Hebrew word for thanksgiving is rooted in a word meaning to admit or to acknowledge. In Hebrew, giving thanks comes from a word to admit or to acknowledge. One rabbi said that every expression of thanks that a person gives is really to admit what a person did for us. Um, To thank someone is to admit that we needed them to do what they did or be what they were for us. When we pray with thanksgiving, we admit that we need God and that we appreciate everything he gives to us and everything he does for us. The first time that word for thanks or praise is used in the Hebrew scriptures is for Jacob's wife, Leah. When she says, after she has her fourth son, she gives birth to her fourth son, she says, this time I will thank, or this time I will praise God. It wasn't that she wasn't thankful for her other three children, but she recognized that she had been granted more sons than her due. With this fourth son, she admitted, she gave thanks to God that she had been giving something that was beyond her fair share. If we feel we're only getting what's rightfully ours in our lives, we're going to find it hard to give thanks to God. True thanksgiving occurs when people feel that they have been given more 
than they deserve. We don't know what prayer of thanks Jesus said when he was at that Passover meal, but here is the traditional Jewish prayer of thanks. They have a traditional prayer in their tradition, as it, and it stood for many, many centuries, and perhaps Jesus used some of this prayer in, as he prayed at Passover. But I want us to hear the traditional Jewish prayer of thanksgiving. We thank you that you are the Lord our God and the God of our fathers forever and ever. You are the rock of our lives, the shield of our salvation in every generation. We will thank you and tell your praise for our lives which are given over into your hand and for our souls which are in safe keeping with you and for your miracles which are with us every day and for your wonders and goodnesses that occur at all times, evening and in the morning and in the afternoon. You are good. For you have not stopped your compassion, and you are the merciful one, for your loving kindness has not ceased. You have always, we have always hoped in you, and for all of these, may your name be blessed and exalted, our King, constantly, forever and ever. And all of the living shall thank you forever and praise your name with truth, the God who is our salvation and our help forever. Blessed are you, God, whose name is good, and to you it is fitting to give thanks. When Jesus blessed and gave thanks, it was not for the bread and the cup. He was blessing and giving thanks to God. Jesus transformed that bread and that cup into symbols of his life that would be given for all people on the cross. And when we come to this table, we give thanks for God's work for us in Jesus Christ. Work that is complete, work that is perfect, work that is totally for us. We give thanks to him as Savior. We give thanks for the story of his life, which is the story that we live our lives in. Now, the prayer that's prayed uh, before Christians come to the table in, in really formally and in many traditions is called the Great Prayer of Thanksgiving. Uh, we don't call it that here, but we should call it that. It is a more formal and liturgical name if you will, but churches that have a more high liturgy and formal worship, they will call this the great prayer of thanksgiving that they pray before they come to this table. And the great prayer of thanksgiving, it goes back hundreds of years in the Christian tradition, and it's, it's kind of a long prayer. It spells out the history of God's salvation, how he created this world, how we wrecked it with our rebellion, but how he did not turn back against us, but came looking for us and claimed us in Jesus Christ. As I say, it can get rather long, but the emphasis is on thanks for all God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Now, there's a story about Jesus traveling on the border of Samaria and Galilee, and ten lepers call out to him. Leprosy was a common illness in in, uh, biblical times. There was no cure. Lepers were considered unclean. They were outcasts. They weren't allowed to come near others. Uh, Their lives were isolated and without much hope. And these lepers know their place, so they keep their distance and they shout out to Jesus, who they call Master, and they shout out to Him to have mercy on them. He tells them to go show themselves 
to the priest. And this is what Jewish law prescribed for people who had been healed. And we're told that it was as they went that they were all cleansed. But it is the reaction more than the actual healing that is the point of this event and and where attention is paid in this story. One of those lepers who are healed comes back to Jesus and praises God, it says, with a, a loud voice. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. Shouldn't God's mercy always lead us to thanksgiving? And Jesus asks, were there not ten? Where's the other nine? I hope Jesus doesn't say about me, where's Phil? All I've done for him. Where's Phil? Of the ten who were healed, only the Samaritan comes back to give thanks. And he's the only one who hears these words. Your faith has made you well. His gratitude revealed his faith. He was open to the flow, the gush, the blessing of God. When we come to the Lord's table, we all come with our own uncleanness, if you would. Our sin, our failings, ways we have offended God, ways we've offended others. And like those ten lepers, we cry out to Jesus for him to have mercy on us. And Jesus answers our prayer. Because forgiveness of of sins is his great cleansing, always. Jesus said the cup was the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. When we come to the Lord's table, we come and we say, thank you, Lord. We come with gratitude that Christ has made peace through the blood of his cross and forgives us all our sins, erasing the record that stood against us. Yes, the Lamb of God simply stopped counting sins when he drew everybody to himself on the cross. And if that isn't something you can say thank you to, I don't know what else I can do for you. The leper's faith was seen in his returning and his giving thanks. And our faith is expressed to the Lord Jesus by saying thank you. Part of the power of this event also is not just the reaction to the healing, but that the man was a Samaritan. You see, Samaritans were enemies of Jews and had a history of hostility with the Jewish people. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along, and one would not expect this outsider to be the one praising God and giving thanks to a Jew named Jesus. The Samaritan was not raised in the faith, you might say. He was an outsider. Who was he to be touched by God? Beware of spiritual privilege. Again, beware of a sense of entitlement to the blessings of God. Entitlement is a spiritual disease. And we are good at asking God. We are very good at asking God, why is this happening when times are hard? But we almost never ask God, why is this happening when good stuff fills our lives? Does it belie a certain sense of entitlement? That Samaritan outsider is overwhelmed with thanks for what God has done for him. He knew that he had been given more than he deserved. Again, if we think we deserve it, 
we won't, won't be much interested in being thankful. Another way I think we get hung up is that we easily identify with resentment. It's just easier. Life has let us down. We suffer unjustly. No one's doing anything about our complaints. It's never good enough, and we're victims. We're victims of being too busy and overwhelmed and anxious, even as we enjoy such privileged lives and we're gorged with material blessings and leisure. And whether it's Trump or the liberal agenda or or the way they're charging us for bags on the airlines, we, we feel resentment. Now there's a time to complain. There's a time to moan. But if we stay there, we so easily become full of resentment. And there's no room for God to enter and set us free. Resentment stops the movement of God's spirit. And it replaces faith, hope, and love with fear and doubt and rivalry. It leads to anger. Thanksgiving takes us in the other direction and it opens us to God's flow. Henry Nouwen said, gratitude is not a simple emotion or an obvious attitude. It's a difficult discipline in which I constantly reclaim my whole past as the concrete way God has led me to this moment and is sending me into the future. It is hard precisely because it challenges me to face my painful moments, experiences of rejection and abandonment, feelings of loss and failure, and gradually to discover in them the pruning hands of God, purifying my heart for deeper love, stronger hope, and broader faith. We can bring to this table whatever hurts, whatever fears, whatever burdens we carry in our hearts, and we can still say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me in all of it. Thank you that nothing can separate me from your love. Thank you that you show me such grace even when I am such a, such a butt towards you and others. Thank you that you do not push me away when I'm a hot mess. Remember when Jesus first did this with his disciples, he was going to be betrayed and tried and beaten and killed in a matter of hours. Things were not looking up. And he gave thanks to God. In her book, Help, Thanks, Wow, The Three Essential Prayers, Anne Lamott writes, you breathe in gratitude and you breathe it out too. And once you learn how to do that, then you can bear someone who is unbearable. When we go from rashy and clenched to grateful, we sometimes get to note the experience of grace in knowing that we could not have gotten ourselves from where we were stuck in hate or self-righteousness or self-loathing, which are the same thing, to freedom. The movement of grace in our lives towards freedom is the mystery. So we simply say, thanks. This week I sat with a woman who's seriously sick with cancer. It's one of those sessions where you go through a lot of Kleenex. And there was a lot of fear, lots of it, and understandably so. 
But there was also the ability to see God's presence with her and her ability to see the blessings that he was bringing despite all that was so hard. She could see the movements of grace. Can we practice radical gratitude in the face of whatever life throws at us? Most of all, can we be thankful that we don't have to do any of this ourselves? God takes self-salvation, he takes self-help, and he takes self-anything else right out of our hands. And he gives us his son and lets us know that he has done all the work. And he merely says, trust him, trust him. And the response is not to walk away and say, well, good, I got mine now. The response is to return to Jesus and say, thank you. That Samaritan, it says, praise God with a loud voice. Our thanks needs to be vocalized, certainly for God to hear, if not for others, because gratitude shows faith. You know, in my 14 years of being pastor of this congregation, I can mostly only speak of good. But there's one thing I need to bring up with you. Uh, Once in a while, in our times of prayer, our prayers of the people, we open it up and we pray out loud for requests, for thanksgivings, whatever. And when we pray for people, the needs, a a lot of prayers go up, a lot of names, a lot of prayers. But whenever we have focused on thanksgiving, I've always been a little mystified and even bothered at how silent it can become. That when we pray for the things we're thankful for, it's like, Maybe one or two things, and then there's just a lot of silence. I think it should be hard for us to shut up when it comes to giving thanks to God. To give thanks is to locate what God has done for you, where he has entered your life, and that is what reveals faith. So during our great prayer of thanksgiving this morning, as we get ready for the Lord's Supper, I will... Open it for all of us to pray out loud our thanks to God. So be thinking about it, okay? Nothing is too small. Nothing is too basic. Nothing is too obvious. When that time comes, let's collect all our prayers of thanks together and lift them up like a basket of thanksgiving to our Lord. Let's sing as we get ready now to approach the table and the Eucharist, giving thanks to God. Let's stand.